You're listening to Commissioning Conversations, the podcast brought to you by Broadcast Intelligence. Hi, and welcome to Commissioning Conversations. I'm Alice Redman. And I'm Heather Fallon, and we are both reporters and researchers for the Commissioner Index. This week, we are joined by the BBC Brains at Broadcast, the one and only Max Goldbart. Max is joining us to talk about the Beeb's ongoing commissioning restructure and recent departures, as well as what that means for producers looking to pitch to the BBC. Later on, I'll be talking to Sarah from Troy TV about how Commissioner Index expansion into international territories is going to change how she uses CI. So hi Heather and hi Max and welcome to Commissioning Conversations. Welcome Max, it's good to have you here. Nice to be here, Uh, what an absolute pleasure, a bit of cross promotion of our two podcasts (laughs) after such a long time. I know, we were on um, News Wrap back in Christmas and we said that we would have you on soon and it's taken us five months so apologies for that but (laughs) it's all right time flies you're here to talk about all things BBC but I thought we should kick off with a commissioning conversations classic which is green light of the week and I think Max as you're our guest you should go first what is your green light of the week oh amazing I think I'm gonna it's something that I probably won't watch but uh, I was really excited to see that CBBC has has ordered a prequel to Oliver Twist, which I thought was cool. It's called Dodger. It's produced by NBC, and it it looks it looks really fun. It looks like the sort of thing that an, an average CBBC viewer would enjoy. Although I don't really know any average CBBC viewers. So <laughs> well, it's got Christopher Eccleston in it. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. It's got Christopher Eccleston. It also, more seriously, if we're talking strategy, which we will later kind of it speaks to like high-end kids drama like I don't think you would associate much CBBC commissioning with A-list talent like Christopher Eccleston it's written by a um, BAFTA nominated actor as well Reese Thomas um, so clearly it's like there there's probably money coming in from all places to suit the budget um, and it sort of um, shows an acceleration of CBBC drama strategy and it's Cheryl Taylor's final commission so going out with a bang yeah, going out with a big bang. What about you, Hev? Uh, so earlier this week, Dave Channel announced a really major slate of new shows uh, with a load of new faces and new talent for the channel. So Tom Allen was in there, Richard Iowardi and David Mitchell. And as I'm just such a massive Peep Show fan from back in the day, uh, I think my favourite one from that slate was a programme called Outsiders, which is led by the David Mitchell and it sees him challenge pairs of comedians to prove if they have the skills to thrive outdoors even though I don't really consider David Mitchell to be a particularly outsidey kind of guy (laughs) I just just think it sounds really funny Uh, so I'm actually really excited for that one and I probably will tune into that one Whereas I do rate CBBC, but it's not it's not a channel I usually watch. <laughs> yeah, I want it on the record that I sadly won't be watching. <laughs> I don't even know how to get CBBC. I suppose I could watch it on oh. iPlayer. So, Alice, what was your green light of the week? So my green light of the week was Body of Evidence, which was greenlit for five star. I think it's really interesting. We rarely see green lights for five star get quite publicly announced in this way. And I also just think true crime is just such an interesting genre and there's a lot going on in it at the moment a lot of development and a lot of different types of true crime and being greenlit 
which does bring me on to a small CI plug in this podcast. And that is that we are hosting our true crime event on Wednesday. And we have commissioners from Channel 5, Discovery and A&E Networks. And it's for members only. But if you are interested in joining us at the event, please do get in touch at broadcastintel.com forward slash events. When you are a CI member, you do get the chance to network with the commissioners afterwards. We organise one-to-one meetings for you, as well as having access to finding out exactly what they want to be pitched at the panel. So should be a good event all round. Um, and I will now apologise for my using green light of the week to plug our event but <laughs> it had to be done it was just an opportunity too good to miss i think that was a great little plug and it's a great little event so nicely done and what should be a great series from rare tv so all good all round so as fascinating as true crime is today's main focus for the pod is the bbc so max we're here to pick your brain today yeah, so Heather obviously covers the BBC for CI and she is very in the know about commissioning at the BBC and channel controllers and all of the changes that have gone gone on there. However, I am less in the know. So I think it'd be great for me and for everyone listening that wants to know a bit more about the BBC. If Max, maybe you could start by breaking down the announcement that first came out at the start of December last year, where the BBC unveiled kind of a huge, huge change in who's commissioning what for where and why and genres and it saw you know channel controllers become genre heads and directors of genres of course of course so there's been loads of change uh over the past few months in first preparing for this restructure and lots of people changing roles uh and now the restructure has started as of as of uh, about a month ago i think it could be fair to say that in the in the history of the bbc which is very nearing a hundred nothing has ever been quite this radical in terms of the way TV is commissioned and that's um, that's how it was kind of described to me at the time when we were like you said first writing about this about six months ago now um, and I think it's notable that both the both ITV and Channel 4 followed suit fairly quickly so the, the two have both enacted kind of similar maybe slightly less radical versions of this and that that emerged in the early part of this year so not long after the BBC announced its restructure and yeah bro- broadly like you say Alice this is being described as a genre slash iPlayer first commissioning focus. So channel controllers are no more. There are no traditional channel controllers in the old sense. There are genre directors. And the main point of this is to do away with, uh, with the two-tick system, uh, a system that has variously been described to me as being quite cumbersome, uh, creating log jams, bottlenecks. I think bureaucratic was a word that was used a lot. Shows would get stuck in development or stuck with commissioners for many months because they need a sign-off from a genre and they need sign-off from a channel. And I can't imagine there is much as frustrating as having your show be stuck in a genre team and move up the genres only for it to straight away be scrapped at channel level. So that can't really happen anymore. So what has happened over the last few months prior to the restructure starting is lots of jobs have changed. So Charlotte Moore was formerly the BBC One controller, and she has been promoted to chief content officer. She oversees everything. That, again, came out late last year. Patrick Holland, the BBC Two controller, is now director of Factual. He takes on a very similar role to what Alison Kirkham was doing previously. So he no longer looks after BBC Two, which I think he'd been doing for four or five years or so. BBC Four's channel editor, Cassian Harrison, was seconded to BBC Studios. Patrick Holland was actually looking after BBC Four temporarily. 
um, but Cassian won't be returning to look after BBC4. And, and as we wrote about a few weeks ago, BBC4 is actually winding down its originations budget. So there really won't be much original shows on BBC4 anymore going forwards, apart from the odd thing. And the only person to retain their what's called a channel commissioning tick is Fiona Campbell at BBC3. And I think that says quite a lot about the importance that the BBC prescribes to BBC Three in particular. So we all know it's returning as a linear channel next year. Um, it's been given a, it's had its budget doubled. So it's returned to pre-2016 levels. Uh, and Fiona Campbell, as well as being the BBC Three controller, she described herself recently in a panel session as kind of like the youth skewing genre director in a way. So she's not only ordering shows for BBC Three, but she can advise on shows for BBC One, BBC Two, iPlayer using her expertise uh, because as we know not only shows on BBC Three have to be youth skewing and this is one of the challenges that the BBC faces. So there are now five genre directors so we've got Patrick Holland at Factual, uh, Shane Allen at Comedy, Shane is soon to depart though and I think we'll come on to that a bit later, Piers Wenger does the drama, Kate Phillips in Entertainment and then Rose Garnett heading up films which is probably something that we deal with a little bit less. So that that's broadly what's taken place really so an idea comes in now and it needs to travel up the genre tree. Some of the genre teams are smaller than others, uh, but it doesn't have to go anywhere from there. It should, it should just have that one tick. So if your genre director is happy with something, they are kind of the tastemaker in, in this situation and, and things should all be moving a little bit quicker. I would say that you know, iPlayer is a huge element to this. The BBC obviously sees that iPlayer is, I was going to say the future is also the present. It's, it's the tool by which they are asking producers to think so much more about in terms of how a show would work on iPlayer. But what's become clear to me over the last few months, I think initially when we were writing about this restructure, we thought it was going to be more radical in the sense of shows not being prescribed a channel until much later on in the process. So there are now two what's called channel portfolio editors one of which is Saida Ertazali, who works on BBC One, and Joe Smith on BBC Two and BBC Four. And they are in charge of managing the channels almost and managing the brands. And I think the way we believed that it was going to work is that uh, shows would only sort of go much further down the line to Saida and Joe, and indies wouldn't even have to indicate a channel if they were pitching a show. But that's kind of, I, I wrote a piece of analysis about this a couple of weeks ago. That idea has kind of been scotched. Indies still do need to think about a channel, Often it will dictate the budget, it will dictate the tone, et cetera. But it's more that you don't have that channel controller giving it a tick. So the way I, I described it in my analysis is the BBC trying to ride these two horses, iPlayer and channels at the same time. Line of Duty was on last Sunday. It was watched by 12 and a half million people. That's about one in six people in the country sitting down to watch a show at nine o'clock. Clearly the linear channel, the power of the linear channel isn't going anywhere. BBC Three is coming back. So that move forward is really fascinating. The new structure does away with channel controllers, but the importance of the channel is being talked up just as much as the importance of iPlayer. And I, yeah, I think that's broadly, that's broadly what's taken place. Yeah, I find the roles of the portfolio editors really interesting because, as you said, there has been heavy, heavy hints and a lot of gearing up towards iPlayer being the main focus for a very long time. I can recall Jack Bootle and Claire Sillery to Inglis a lot in early 2020. Um, but I think, yeah, the portfolio roles are quite interesting because they're still trying to keep the channel brands very distinct. So BBC One will still be the broad, kind of predominantly family friendly, usually kind of entertainment skewing, high profile drama commissions, whereas BBC Two will still remain slightly more alternative and 
kind of tends to have a more factual offering. And I know that there there's an aim to have a lot more fluency between all the channels in between, so BBC One, BBC Two, and to a much smaller extent, BBC Four. But I'm intrigued to see how much this will actually impact commissioning going forward. Because as you say, B- having something like Line of Duty on BBC One still shows that there is a lot of power and it's very important where things still end up on the channels. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's just they, they broadly still exist. So all, all the producers that I spoke to as the restructure was being slowly implemented and planned for, they, they all said it's the idea of pitching a, pitching a TV idea without a channel attached to it is kind of for the birds because you need, if you're thinking about an entertainment show, for example, the difference between the tone and budget of a BBC One or BBC Two entertainment show is just huge. So you, you really couldn't pitch that idea without prescribing the channel in the first place. And I think, to be honest, that that applies to most genres. And it was something that maybe it took the BBC a little while to communicate, but is quite clear now. And now that's kind of all laid out for everyone, do you think this is going to be a benefit for producers or do you think the old way was better? Mm. I think broadly a benefit. I think anything, it's all about the speed. I know Channel Alex Alex Mahon from Channel 4 uh, and Danny Horan over the past couple of weeks have been talking about commissioner access and trying to get things again moving quicker through that chain of command and i think anything that gets things moving quicker is only of benefit to the bbc and the the producer complaints around the bbc do just tend to revolve around pace they tend to because you're you're you feel like you're spending so much time in development in the interim and you can't move forward it so it takes you months to be told an idea hasn't been accepted or it even might take you months to be told an idea has been accepted and you're still not very happy i mean again a, a bbc budget as we know you you can an indie can often just break even um and it's, it's almost like a reputational piece so yes anything that speeds thing, things up i think is a good thing i think communication is key and as we understand it, maybe the indie sector needs to understand it slightly more uh, and needs to understand how a show works on iPlayer as well, which, which, will, which will take time. Hmm. I think it's going to be really interesting as everyone kind of pivots to this iPlayer all four ITV hub, um, like first strategy across those three, how that actually changes what we see on Linear and if it does, because there's a lot of commissioners talking about, you know, this, this is, this is the priority, this is the priority. It can be the priority, but the same tastemakers are still there. So will it actually change too much? Um, or will it just be kind of, oh, we'll think about how we're going to put this on iPlayer kind mm-hmm. of thing, I think. It'll be really interesting to see over the next 12 months or so what, if we notice anything, basically. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. The, 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 the advantage the BBC has is that it doesn't have adverts, so it's not simultaneously trying to work out how to monetize putting more into hub or putting more into all four so when itv and channel four talk about a hub first or an all four first strategy they need to think how to monetize that whereas the bbc gets its license fee and it doesn't really matter where the shows go so i think that's an advantage and and that has been a reason in the past and is probably a reason again for this restructure why the bbc has been able to be quite bold with these things because the money is coming in regardless in the same way Obviously, there's a lot more going on at the BBC other than just commissioning. And so how do you think these, this restructure kind of demonstrates wider structural changes that are happening at the moment at the BBC? Mm. Yeah, I think um, a couple of things on this. The, the nations and regions push 
is is the other is the other big BBC anno of the past six months or so. So over the next few years, they're going to be spending 150 odd million quid additional per year in outside of London. Lots of news teams are moving outside of London, and some commissioners may move. Although they're being kind of coy at the moment as to who's going to be moving and when, and it's probably going to end up being a relatively small amount of roles. But a lot of what the nations and regions push is about is about portrayal and making more authentic shows across the country in a whole variety of places rather than being stuck in in our in our favorite metropolitan liberal bubble uh, of which the BBC is so regularly accused of being so i i think the the commissioning restructure comes at the same time as director general tim davy in particular is really looking to change especially in the drama space but across genre but especially in drama really looking to change the way that the country is portrayed so it will feed into that a little bit and i think maybe you can be a little bit cleverer with iPlayer in terms of shows that that have greater portrayal of of different places I'm always I think I've said this on a podcast before I'm always really struck by the granularity by which Tim Davey talks about where he wants to like make shows from or, or parts of the country that he wants to cover like he'll he'll pick a really specific town in Northern Ireland or, or a really specific town just outside of Nottinghamshire um, and I'm always I'm always quite impressed and quite interested by that. Um, we're obviously talking on the day of local elections, but the country feels quite polarised, and the BBC is trying not to allow itself to fall into that. So, so the commissioning restructure kind of is 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 part and parcel of that change regarding portrayal. I think he gets a map out and he just picks a place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it also comes there's the it, it comes at a time when the future of the license fee is obviously under under question marks. And that is something that has been going on for a little while. It's set until 2027. But as we speak, negotiations are in play as to how much the license fee will cost over the next five years. So whether it continues to rise with inflation, whether it's frozen, uh, whether it rises by more than inflation because costs are going up so much. And so the BBC, as, as Tim Davey has again continuously said, like it's all about value. Like he sounds a little bit like the head of a streamer sometimes, the way he talks about value. It sounds kind of non-public service in a way. And that ties into this too, supercharging big dramas on iPlayer that make audiences feel that they're getting a lot of value for their license fee which may you know there are talks about subscription models there are talks about other kind of progressive taxes you can do but i think there are again equivalences you can draw between this kind of interesting commissioning restructure and the future of the way that the bbc is funded which is kind of getting discussed at the moment and we are talking on a very apt week because we've had two two people announce their departures from the bbc this week and that is jane allen who's left his role as director of comedy and also jan young husband who was the head of music commissioning so you know these changes are still happening there's always there's always something going on you think you've got it squared and think oh yes all these channel heads have become genre heads and then they all leave um so yeah i mean let's let's discuss i mean the changes uh in the comedy department of the bbc are pretty pretty seismic was it alex moody who was one of the first high profile commissioners to leave she's joined sky now as a comedy commissioner there and then sarah asante has now moved to uk tv as a scripted commissioner there and then kate dorton left about a month ago i'd like to say and now shane has gone and joined her for their own new upcoming 
scripted outfit. Yeah, yeah. it's it's huge, isn't it? For the um for the comedy department, this must be the biggest turnover of staff in in any BBC department for a really long time. So yeah, three three very talented commissioning editors plus now the comedy director and comedy is such a you know such a subjective thing and the genre is so driven by the tastes of the people who are in charge of it that I think it's absolutely fascinating to see who's going to take over in those roles so Alex Moody has been replaced by Tanya Qureshi but Kate Dawson who was head of comedy hasn't been replaced yet Sarah Asante still needs to be replaced and now Shane Allen needs to be replaced so big changes Mm. and I don't know if it will lead to a real like rupture or or big overhaul in in what kind of BBC comedy is commissioned, how much is commissioned. There are obviously, there are some um, uh, accusations and and question marks over the the political leanings of some BBC comedy, which the BBC has tended to to deny uh, of of having a kind of lefty slant to the stuff that it commissions. Will there be a temptation to bring in somebody who maybe will be more tempted to commission stuff that has more of a right-wing feel I don't really know but the pool of potential replacements for Shane Allen is relatively small like it's a small world so whoever comes in will be fascinating but over the next few weeks I imagine it's it's going to be hard work for those guys because they are like very short-staffed at the time. The criticism of you know the comedy on the B being a bit too left-leaning and things like that is really interesting because really at the moment it's one of the few places that is broadcasting regular sitcoms and things like that because if you take ITV I think it was I want to say 2019, but I don't know if my brain's been affected by pandemic years. Um, We had Kevin Ligo come out and say that comedy has no place on ITV. Mm. And Channel 4 have also been really quiet of late. And we just announced today that Home's Not Coming Back, which was a brilliant sitcom. It was quite left-leaning. Lots of channels, all those three main PSB channels, have really started to dial back on comedy. So it's a bit of a, it's almost like a worrying time for comedy at the moment with Shane going. Yeah, I I don't think there are many genres where the gulf between what the BBC produces is so much bigger than the gulf between the other the other PSBs in particular like obviously the BBC has so much of a bigger budget than than the other guys and that applies to all genres but like you said ITV barely commissions comedy at all and Kevin Ligo has been quite clear that that is not the direction he wants to take ITV in Channel 4 commissions the odd yeah they are kind of irreverent piece I'm watching Frank of Ireland at the moment that's quite good but again quite rare it's difficult to get a comedy away on Channel 4 Channel 5 has only just moved back into drama, doesn't really do comedy. Sky is probably like the main player here at the moment. That's where Alex Mm. Moody's gone and UK TV. But that gulf is enormous. So the BBC, in terms of being a comedy producer, the BBC really does take the lead there. And so it is very important who takes on Shane's job. And Shane had been there for 10 years. Like his list of credits is incredibly impressive from really big family sitcoms. He rebooted Alan Partridge. He's done Fleabag. Like, I doubt there are many comedy controllers who can kind of Mm. just reel off the shows that he's ordered in in what is quite a long period of time. Uh, And as you say, with the nations and regions hires, they'd most recently hired Hannah Rose as an assistant commissioning editor for comedy. uh, And she began her role in April, um, based in Salford. However, I imagine she's had quite a uh, hectic month or so (laughs) finding her feet. And now half the comedy department have disappeared. Yeah, there have been a hell of a lot of job changes. Lots of people are leaving at the moment. Lots of people are moving into the indie sector. I think the pandemic is making people think twice about their future. People are moving around places. And it's it's led to, we've we've noticed a whole a whole load of change. And of course, we've got Jan Younghusband as well. So the, the head of music TV commissioning, 
Jan, who's been in position even longer than Shane. She joined in 2009. She is also going to leave at the end of this year. And I, I believe her role is so pop, pop music and classical music TV have now been split up between Patrick Holland and his new factual job and Lorna Clark, who's the pop music controller. So they're going to kind of take on Jan's duties 50-50. But that's another one. And again, someone who has a really good long list of credits and who's been there for a very long time. Jan does my faves, the top of the pops of the 80s shows, which are a true classic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think arts and culture has had one of the biggest upheavals at the BBC with all these new changes. So Patrick Holland isn't only director of factual, but also the whole of the arts, especially with all the changes that are happening at BBC Four. His portfolio must be absolutely (laughs) ginormous. And Mm. I know that they've now also got Lorna Clark and she commissions across the pop music radio channels as well as TV. Uh, But we are yet to see her first commission and kind of see what a TV, a pop music TV commission will look like, uh, which I think is interesting and it will be exciting when that gets announced but yeah music as well is just a whole a whole other world of commissions that I can't really visualize what what that next move will be but the BBC again is really well known for its Glastonbury coverage its festival coverage spotlighting kind of niche music programs that you might not see in other places so it would be a really huge shame if those kind of went away with the head of music Mm, for sure one thing one thing that i'm really interested to see as well is what's going to happen to arts programming because arts feels like the next genre that is ripe for a bit of reinvention and is also is also being given some more money so most of bbc 4s originals budget which amounts to around uh, kind of late 30 millions is being put towards bbc 2 arts patrick holland is looking for around seven or eight big high profile arts shows over the next couple of years. So think um, civilizations. Uh, there's a new one coming out called um, called The Making of Us, The History of British Creativity. So that I, I think that gives a real opportunity. I think producers who traditionally were in the art space, but maybe at slightly lower tariffs, BBC4 level, can really think or join up with other indies about what big big budget art looks like. And it's similar as, as to what's happened more generally in documentaries, um, stuff like Football's Darkest Secret or Saved by a Stranger, I think is a good example, which is on BBC Two at the moment. Uh, so history and documentaries has kind of been given that little shot in the arm. And I think arts is next. And clearly it's something that Patrick Holland is very interested in and, and very keen to, to look at doing more of. And um, Lorna Clark is also seeking a new commissioning editor and a commissioning exec as well as an assistant commissioner to join her on the pop music team. So hopefully that will give pop music a little bit of a boost as well i'm gunning for a reboot of top of the pops now so i mean in summary there's a lot going on at the bbc a lot of changes and a lot of stuff going on that's going to be really positive for producers and indies who are looking to work with the bbc and hopefully it can open a few more doors so thanks for chatting with us max and thanks for letting us pick your bbc brain oh such a pleasure such a pleasure love talking about the bbc So regular listeners will know that last week we launched CI International. Yep. So we've added 50 international buyers to Commission Index. And whilst it was a lot of work, I know that the rewards will come in 2022 when we can start visiting these countries. And I can't wait. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Alice, you spoke to Sarah from Troy TV about how having access to these details could benefit her and Troy TV. 
Yes, I did. And it was really lovely to speak to Sarah, who has been on the podcast before. And um, I think CI International is really going to help her and help Troy TV. So let's have a listen. So the reason that we have we're speaking to you again today is because we wanted to be the first to tell you that we are launching International Commissioner Index and I know you're one of our subscribers that asked for it as you work a lot internationally. So the main thing I wanted to speak about is what your experience working internationally is like, how have you found it over the years and let's talk about it without COVID and with COVID. Okay, well, without COVID, obviously extensive. (laughs) Uh, We've had extensive experience filming abroad. I mean, we've, I think, you know, we've filmed everywhere, pretty much like the members on the team have pretty much filmed everywhere. As far as I know, China, Australia, Pakistan, Vietnam, Mexico, um, you know, all over Europe. So you name it. Um, We have yet to reach the poles, um, but someday we will reach the North or the South Pole. It'd be quite exciting. So, yeah, so we do obviously rely a lot on, you know, local production companies and and local contacts that we have. And that's been great to build those up over the years. Um, But obviously the industry is kind of quite fast moving and changing. And so some of the commissioners are people who we would know from before are no longer there. So to be honest, to have up to date um, information and database would be really useful. There are some great organizations in the UK. PAX is doing a brilliant job for its um, production companies at the moment, setting us up with different, you know, countries and areas. I'm doing one this week about for Canada and it's brilliant. Um, so yes, yeah, so more of that please would be great because I think we're all seeing the market value of being outward looking mm. for production and distribution and also just the sheer pleasure and joy. We miss it so much. And when we are able to go back again and kind of do things freely, I think I think there won't be any of us left in the country. We'll be gone. <laughs> so like, obviously at the moment, there's less, less availability to travel, but have you found that international commissioners are quite accessible at the moment and you're able to sit down over Zoom and things? How has that been? Yeah, I mean, the plus side of the pandemic has been that everyone's, you know, much more accessible, to be honest. People are not having their lunch meetings and taking their trips to, you know, certain festivals like Cannes and et cetera, you know, we're all able to do that online. So essentially it means they can escape us, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, and and it's it's been really good. I mean, I think we've been able to meet so many more people, both in unscripted and scripted, and it's exciting. And so it, it's also exciting though, to think that someday we'll be able to meet them in person. Uh, so yeah, so looking forward to that change hopefully very soon and with kind of international productions is there anything that producers who maybe have only worked in the UK should really be aware of or bear in mind when they're looking to approach international commissioners or work internationally I think it's a case of looking at their wants and needs before looking at our idea list I think it's a case of doing your research about who you're talking to and you know who you want to reach more than kind of being scattergun and going oh my god I've got a good idea let me talk to Kyrgyzstan you know it might not they might not be appropriate at all so I think that's sometimes difficult with languages so I think you know wherever you can if you can't do that yourself because of a language barrier then team up with someone and 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 do that research and learn what's on in their market you know I mean and that's almost an impossible task because we have so many um you know, online and, and uh, terrestrial platforms and SVODs and stuff. So it's really hard to kind of do that. But I think in as much as you can, that would be my advice. And also not assume that just because they are overseas and working in a different language doesn't mean that they don't already have what you are offering. So it really is important to kind of have a look and see uh, and, you know, be 
culturally aware, uh, linguistically aware. Uh, yeah, there are, there are lo there's lots to consider. And, you know, I'm sure we're not all going to get it right all the time or even half the time, but it's great to have information beforehand. And if you, if you guys have more information, let us have it, please. <laughs> that sounds like great advice. And do you think that us adding international commissioners will kind of change the way that you use the commissioner index at all? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think it will make it a lot more valuable to us, to people, like to companies who are, uh, you know, culturally, uh, territorially, linguistically diverse like us. I think that will be a huge asset. Huge. And in terms of co-producing with, you mentioned about um, working with production companies and local talent and people in the countries that you work in. How have you found kind of co-producing with other companies on the ground? I think co-producing with, with people in other countries is really interesting. And I think I couldn't give a one size fits all answer. I think it is so dependent on who you work with and so dependent on the genre of project. You know, so we obviously do, um, you know, have done a lot with Spain in the past and there are ways of working that are very different uh, timelines financial timelines paperwork timelines deliverables um so yeah so it's there's a lot to learn in each project that you do and each commissioner and each broadcaster will or each distributor will work very differently um so yeah so it's a case of it's a case of learning as you go sometimes Having access to international commissioners is so important for indies who work outside of the UK, like Troy TV. Commissioner Index now lists over 50 commissioners from outside the UK and US, featuring channels such as ABC Australia, SBS Australia, Blue Ant Canada, Sky Italia, Hunan TV, and many, many more. That was a long list. I got carried away with all of the exciting opportunities. Yeah, and if you are interested in coming onto the podcast to chat with us or want any more information about International CI, we'd love to speak to you. So drop us a line at info at broadcastintel.com or one of us at firstname.lastname at broadcastnow.co.uk. We'll be back soon with more, but until then, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Commissioning Conversations. We'll be releasing new episodes every other week and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube and at broadcastintel.com.